2018, Fidelity did something that uh, other finance companies had never done, and that is they introduced index funds that were totally free. That's right, there were absolutely no expense ratios for four funds that Fidelity launched in 2018. They call them the Fidelity Zero funds. And I've had folks email me asking, are these any good or is there a problem? What's the catch? And so in today's video, we're going to talk about Fidelity's Zero funds and we're going to compare them to other Fidelity funds that actually cost you some money to see if free is really a better deal or not. If you're new to the channel, my name is Rob Berger. I've been investing for, I don't know, three decades, something like that. Uh, I was an attorney in the securities field a lifetime ago, and then I started a finance site, which I sold. Then I worked for Forbes, and now, well, I'm behind the camera on YouTube. Uh, so glad to have you. Please subscribe if this is content that will be helpful to you, and let's get right to it. Now, as I mentioned, folks have been emailing me. I've re received several emails about these zero funds. I want to read one of them. It came from a viewer named Samir, and Here's what it said. it said, could you please share your thoughts on Fidelity Zero funds versus their fee-based funds? And then he listed the four of them. We'll look at them in just a minute. He also wanted to know if the Fidelity Zero total market index fund, that's one of the zero funds, does it equal the Fidelity Zero large cap fund plus the Fidelity Zero extended market fund? Uh, we'll get to that too. And if that kind of went by quick, don't worry. It's really easy to understand. He goes on, he says, zero funds have no fees, uh, but other than cost, do you see any reason why one should invest in fee-based, you know, funds that cost some amount of money, instead of zero funds? If you could please create a video and share your thoughts, that would be very helpful. And uh, Samir, that is the video. Thanks for writing in, it's a great question. And as it turns out, there is a big hairy catch, if that's such a thing, to Fidelity Zero funds. I don't think they're bad, but there's one critical thing you need to understand about them that at first I didn't appreciate. Let's first show you the, the funds and what they are. We'll take a look at them together. This is a page on Fidelity's website. They like to point out that their funds are actually cheaper than comparable Vanguard index funds. That's actually true, by the way. They're, you know, they're all very, very cheap. Uh, but one of the things they focus on are these four funds right here. These are the four zero funds. You have the large cap index fund right here. Uh, you have an, a, an extended market index fund. We'll talk about what that means. Total market index fund and international index fund. No, note that there are no Fidelity Zero bond funds. These are all stock funds. And when I first saw this, I thought, well, that's interesting. I looked at the large cap uh, fund, this one right here, and I thought, well, I mean, if I'm going to invest in an S&P 500 index fund, yeah, Vanguard's are cheap, and so are some of Fidelity's other funds that track the S&P. They're cheap, but why? I mean, free is free. Why, why, why pay a couple extra uh, basis points, even if it's only one or two or three? And then I started thinking, um, I thought, well, wait a minute here, something's not right. Fidelity has an S&P 500 index fund. It costs, I think, one and a half basis points, so it's really inexpensive. Um, by the way, 100 basis points would be 1%. So one and a half basis points is, is frankly almost nothing. But then why are they competing against themselves? Why have they created an S&P 500 index fund that's free? And I started to think, well, they wouldn't do that. So what's the catch? And that gets us to the, the big hairy catch as I described it. These four funds, 
do not track uh, in indexes that we might be familiar with. So for example, the Fidelity Zero Large Cap Index Fund, it does track 500 of the largest companies in the US, but it doesn't actually track the S&P 500 index. To do that, and Fidelity has a different fund, we'll look at it in a, in a minute, to do that, Fidelity would actually have to pay a licensing fee. And of course, that would make it difficult, if not impossible, to run the fund and not charge an expense ratio. So what did Fidelity do? How did they get around uh, this problem? Well, all four of the funds that you see here track a proprietary, one of four proprietary indexes that Fidelity has created. These are not tracking the Russell 3000 or the S&P 500 uh, or an MSCI you know, world index of some sort for international stocks. These are tracking Fidelity proprietary uh, uh, indexes. And in fact, they have a whole paper on it right here. I will link to all of this, by the way, as you'll see in a minute. But uh, below the video in the first comment, you'll see a link to an article I've written that has links to all of this. For those that really want to dive into these proprietary indexes, you can see them right here and the methodology. So that's what Fidelity has done. And that raises a question for you and me. All right, it's free, that's good, but how do these funds that track some Fidelity index compare to other Fidelity funds, or for that matter, Vanguard, uh, that track an index that perhaps we're a little more familiar with, and should we entrust our retirement to an index that, that no one has but Fidelity, and how confident can we be in it? Now, the bad news is, because these were all launched in 2018, uh, towards the end of 2018, we really only have about two and a half years of data uh, to look at. But what I've done, I've used Morningstar and I've used Portfolio Visualizer to compare each of the four zero funds to their closest counterparts uh, at Fidelity. And that's what we're gonna look at uh, right now. And um, I'm gonna walk through a couple of things here. What you're seeing on the screen now is an article. I'm actually, uh, this will be published on my site, robberger.com, I'll link to this article below the video so you can check it out if you want to. And I went through and I, I talked about each of the uh, Fidelity proprietary indexes that are used for each of uh, these uh, funds. So for example, for what I initially thought was an S&P 500 index fund, it's actually uh, a Fidelity US large cap index that's being tracked. And we can go through each of them. Extended market, for a US extended market, you can think of that as uh, companies outside of the S&P 500. So that actually gets back to one of uh, Samir's questions. If we take the large cap fund, which is this one right here, FNILX, and uh, we add in the extended market fund, VZIPX, does that effectively equal the total market index fund? The short answer is yes, it does. Uh, but as we'll see, these funds are very different, some of them to the kinds of index funds that we're used to that track what I'll call a normal, a normal index. And then finally, we have the international index. Again, it, track, it tracks a Fidelity Global index that excludes US companies. One of the things you'll note here though, and let's just use this as an example right here. Normally, uh, a, a, an index fund might track, as you can see here, the Morgan Stanley, the MSCI, ACWI, excluding USA, uh, index. It's a Morgan Stanley index, um, basically a world index. 
That index covers about 4,700 companies. In contrast, the Fidelity Global uh, Index, excluding US, only tracks about 2,300 companies. So it's significantly different. The same is true for both the extended market and the total market. Extended market tracks about 2,500 companies. Most of the extended market funds that you may have seen in the past often track the Dow Jones U.S. completion total stock market. And completion, you can think of it as, you know, outside the S&P 500, it's completing the rest of the U.S. companies, so to speak. And that index tracks about 3,500 companies, but Fidelity's version only tracks about 2,500 of those companies. And then when you add that together to get the total market index fund here, VZROX, uh, you're tracking about 3,000 companies with the Fidelity Index, uh, but for a Dow Jones, you know, U.S. total stock market index, you're actually tracking closer to 4,000 companies. Now, in and of itself, these differences, as significant as they are, may or may not be an issue. One thing I want to look at is performance. Again, we don't have much data on the performance, uh, but we're going to look at, at what we have, and I want to begin by showing you how I did it how I got the data, and then we'll actually go through the data. So what I wanna do, I did two things, and some of you may be very familiar with this, but I started with Morningstar, and I used uh, a ticker uh, for um, one of the zero funds, and we'll just use FNILX uh, as an example. It's the large cap index. and apparently my internet's a bit slow, here we go. And we can see there's the expense ratio right there. Sure enough, it's zero. I should add, the fund will charge transaction costs, the costs it incurs to buy and sell stocks. Um, uh, transaction costs, and this is true of any fund, are not included in the expense ratio, but still expense ratio of zero, no complaints there. Um, and what I did for each, both the zero funds and the, and the more comparable funds uh, that we'll look at, I went to the portfolio tab right here and I looked at a couple of things. The first thing I looked at was the style box. I wanted to see if the style box, when I compared a Fidelity Zero fund with its closest counterpart uh, for, for, I'll call it, I guess, a more traditional index fund, I wanted to see if the style uh, map was significantly different. You can see here the blue dot represents the fund itself. And because it's in this top row, and actually it's almost outside of the top row. That tells us uh, that it tracks very large companies, and that makes sense. This is, after all, the Fidelity Zero Large Cap Index. And we can see that it's a blend because it's in this middle column. It's kind of tilted or a little bit towards growth, but it's still within that blend between growth and value. And so I looked at that and I compared it to the comparable fund. We'll look at that in just a minute, but th this is where I got the data. You're gonna see images of all this, and I wanted you to see where I was getting this from. The other thing I did in Morningstar was I scrolled down the same page and I looked at equity holdings. For this one, there's 514. By the way, there are reasons why it's actually more than 500. Um, and that's true even of an S&P 500 index fund might have more than 500. Sometimes companies issue multiple share classes. That could be other reasons, but close to 500. So I wanted to compare equity holdings. And then I also wanted to compare the top 10 holdings uh, because they often represent a large share of a fund and no different here. You can see the portfolio weight, Apple alone is over five and a half percent of this fund. You add in Microsoft and the other top 10 companies and this fund, I mean, it's probably close to 20% or more 
is just in the top 10 companies. So I wanted to see the top 10 companies. That's the first thing I did. And then for performance, I used a portfolio visualizer, which you may be familiar with, and we'll see this in just a minute. But I compared, in this case, as an example, this is Fidelity's Zero International Index. I compared it to its, again, more traditional total international index that I think charges six basis points. But in any event, I compared them 100% in each uh, with a $10,000 investment. And uh, again, we've only got data going back to January 2019 because the zero funds are so new, but I used this to compare performance. Not a lot of data, but it's what we have. So that's what I did. That's where I got the information from. These are free tools you can use yourself as well. And so let's get to the results. And they were surprising, some in some good ways for the zero funds and in others, maybe not so good, uh, but let's get right to it. So this is comparing the Fidelity uh, Zero uh, large cap with its S&P 500 index fund. And as you'll see, this was probably the, 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 the zero fund that was the closest to a more traditional index fund. You can see, as I promised you, here's the style graphs and they're virtually identical. There's a few minor differences, maybe. Uh, the Fidelity 500 index fund is the one on the right, and it's maybe tilted a little, maybe larger and maybe a tad bit more blend, but I mean, not much of a difference at all. When we look at the actual top 10 holdings, they're identical. The only difference is the percentages are a little different. The S&P 500 index, for example, holds 5.9% in Apple stock, whereas the uh, that's on the right. The Fidelity Zero Large Cap Fund, 5.7. And as you go down the list, yeah, there are differences in the percentages, um, but by and large, pretty similar. So when we get to performance, uh, this kind of surprised me. The Fidelity Zero Fund uh, actually beat out the, the S&P 500. And, and you know, the dollars aren't significant because we started with 10,000 and we've only done, gone over about a two and a half year time period. But the compound annual growth rate difference is, is pretty significant. I mean, it's 90, uh, let's see, uh, 90 basis points, if I'm doing the math right. Uh, that's pretty significant. And, um, and that's with the standard deviation, which measures volatility, that's very, very comparable. So at least in its short two and a half year run, we've got to give the nod to the Fidelity Zero Large Cap Index Fund. Now, I personally, well, we'll talk in a minute about whether I would personally invest in a Fidelity Zero Fund. We'll get to that at the end. So that's the first one and it did pretty well. Now, when we go to the next one, this is the extended market fund. Now remember, this is one that has a lot fewer uh, uh, equity holdings than a traditional index. Um, I've com compared it to the Fidelity's extended market index fund, that's ticker FSMAX. That tracks, as we mentioned, the Dow Jones U.S. Completion Total Stock Market Index. And that fund, FSMAX, charges three and a half basis points. So, I mean, about as cheap as cheap can be, but still more than zero. So how do they compare? Well, here we start to see some notable differences. Again, the zero fund is on the left. Um, it's really almost, uh, you know, into the small cap range. That's, you can see the blue dot is sort of in that, in that bottom row and it's tilting towards, I guess, towards value, uh, whereas the Fidelity Extended Market is uh, firmly in the mid cap. I mean, it's close to small, but it's in the mid cap range. And it's actually tilting a little bit towards the growth. Now we know growth has generally outperformed value recently, 
which might suggest that the zero fund will lose out in the comparison. Well, we'll look at that in just a minute, but I do want to show you the holdings. We can see again, 3,400 holdings for the, uh, the traditional index fund versus 21 holdings for the zero fund. And when we look at the actual top 10 holdings, they're just night and day different, right? And that, that makes sense given uh, the, the different uh, number of equity holdings. But these really, there's a lot of similarities to, the, to, the, to these two funds to a point. But obviously, there are some pretty significant differences as well. And that brings us to performance. And here you can see the zero fund didn't do so well. Uh, the 10,000 turned into 17 for the zero fund versus 19 uh, for the extended market index fund. Compound annual growth rate, that's what CAGR means. 23, I guess we'll call it 24% versus 29%. And uh, the thing that really stood out to me is the extended market index fund not only clobbered the zero fund um, in terms of compound annual growth rate, but it did it with the same volatility as measured by standard deviation. So it wasn't a more volatile uh, fund. So this is one where, yeah, the, you know, the zero fund uh, loses out pretty significantly. All right, so that brings us to the Fidelity's uh, zero total market fund. And as I mentioned, it, it more or less is a combination of its large cap and its extended market. And I compared that to the Fidelity Total Market Index Fund, uh, FSKAX, you can see that right here. Again, in large part because of the extended market fund's difference in equity holdings, there's pretty significant difference here as well. Um, you're talking 3,700 stocks uh, in the FSKAX Total Market Index Fund versus 2,600 equity holdings in the zero fund. And FSKAX is cheap, just one and a half basis points. So, um, you know, not, not a very expensive fund for getting much more exposure. But how do they compare? Well, here, the style map's pretty similar, and that's not really surprising, but they're, I mean, I'd almost call them identical. Uh, equity holdings are different, as we just noticed, uh, 3,700 versus 2,600 for the zero fund. Um, and in terms of the top 10 holdings, here they're the same. And um, one thing to point out here, you might say, okay, I get why they were the same for the large cap, because it's more or less, let's be honest, kind of an S&P 500 index fund, even though it's not exactly. Uh, but when we add in uh, the extended uh, companies, the, the companies outside of the S&P 500 to, to create this total U.S. stock market fund, um, I'm surprised that maybe the companies are the same, even if the percentages are a little different. Well, it's a, it's a tail wagging the dog situation. You have to keep in mind, these are all uh, float adjusted cap weighted indexes. Float adjusted means they're only gonna count shares that are available for trading, for buying and selling. Companies can hold shares that aren't actually open, you know, available to, to, the, to the public for buying. And cap weighted means uh, they don't just pull our money in each of the stocks in the index in equal amounts. Uh, the companies uh, get, uh, the investments go into each company based on the value of each company as compared to the total. So Apple's the largest company at the moment, and so it's going to get a larger share uh, of each dollar we invest, and Microsoft is number two. And the companies at the very end of the line, they're getting fractions of a penny for each dollar. I mean, very, very small amounts. And so even in a, in a total market fund, and this is true of any total market fund from Vanguard or from Fidelity or one of these zero funds, yes, 
They have 2,600, in the case of uh, Fidelity Zero, they have 2,600 companies, 3,700 for, the, for the, the more traditional Fidelity total market fund. But a large portion of what get, gets invested is still in the top 10, certainly top 20, 30 companies. And you still get exposure to those smaller companies, and that can be good, but a lion's share of the money that's getting invested still goes to large companies. So when we go back to the screen, yeah, the, even for the total market, the, the top investments are not only the same, but in this case, the percentages are almost identical. Now, given that, um, we might guess that the performances would be nearly identical, and if that was your guess, you would be absolutely correct. The zero fund, 26.97% compound annual growth rate. It's kind of, I think, kind of funny. Fidelity's total market index beat it by two basis points. And that fund costs one and a half basis points. So if you were in Fidelity total market index, you came out ahead by half a basis point. So there, there you go. At the end of the day, I would say these are um, uh, very comparable, at least so far. All right, the last one, international. Um, this one, uh, these are, are quite different. As I noted before, the zero fund on the left holds about 2,400 stocks. The Fidelity Total International Index, FTIHX, which costs six basis points, uh, holds 4,700 stocks. The style box is nearly identical, as you can see, but when we get to the holdings, you know, they're very different. Uh, and again, given the different number of stock holdings in each fund, uh, probably not a surprise. There are some overlaps. I can see Nestle here is in both. Uh, Alibaba is in both, but in a different order. Uh, so there's certainly some overlaps, but a number of notable differences as well. And so when we get down to the performance, uh, unfortunately, the zero fund lost out not by a lot, right? 15.64% uh, versus 15.8. So that's 16 basis points. You factor in the six basis points in fees and Fidelity Total Interna International Index outperformed by 11 basis points. Again, not much, but if we're choosing one of these because you know one charges zero in expense ratios and the other charges one and a half or five, or in this case, six basis points, well, we kind of want it to outperform or what's the point, right? What's the point in saving the money? I mean, at the end of the day, what we care about are after fee returns. And at least in this case, uh, it didn't quite make it. So it turns out that three of the four zero funds, even after factoring in expenses, underperformed comparable funds offered by Fidelity. One of them didn't underperform by much when you factor in fees, half a basis point, but the extended uh, market fund trailed it by quite a lot. Uh, and the international fund, well, after fees, it, tra it trailed it by 11 basis points. Uh, the large cap, though, it actually outperformed by about 90 basis points. So I guess that's a, a vote in favor of the zero funds. So what does this all, all mean? My take on it uh, is that I'm by and large not ready to invest in the zero funds myself. They just don't have enough uh, uh, history, two and a half years, and I'm just not ready to entrust a significant portion of our assets into a, an index that's proprietary to, to fidelity particularly when it's only been around for, for two, two and a half years. I also think, I'll just be honest, and I have accounts at Fidelity, I like Fidelity, uh, but I kind of think this is more of a marketing uh, stunt than anything else. When you're charging one and a half basis points or five basis points, do you really need a, a different fund tracking a proprietary index that charges zero? 
uh, I'm just not so sure. And when those funds, uh, at least some of them, begin to underperform even after you factor in the cost, then really you got to question what's the point? Now, in fairness to Fidelity, we need to give it more time. It's only been two and a half years. And I do applaud them for um, taking the, the effort to uh, launch funds that do have a 0% expense ratio. I'm just not ready to put my money into them. Now, having said that, I actually do own some zero funds in one 401k where they are, in my view, the best uh, options that I have available. And I'm perfectly comfortable doing that. I'll admit it's not a lot of money relative to our total portfolio, but still I'm comfortable doing that uh, inside a 401k given that they are, I think, the best options available to me. But when I have choices, frankly, I think I would just stick with, for now, the traditional fidelity funds or in, in the Vanguard index funds or other low cost index funds that track you know, widely accepted indexes that we're familiar with. I think that's where I come out. You know, given some more time, maybe Fidelity Zero funds uh, will start to outperform. I guess we'll see. So there you go. That's my take on Fidelity's Zero funds. If you have any questions, leave them in the comments below. Would be happy to help you out uh, any way I can. As I mentioned, the article will be linked to in the first comment. And I am now uh, putting out a newsletter every Sunday morning on investing. You can grab a link to that. It's free uh, right below uh, this video. I would love to have you join the newsletter. Until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.